You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packer Up Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here. Um, Mason is not with me again this week. He is kind of in, in crunch time mode, uh, working for a football team uh, this fall, so schedule's pretty crazy for him. Hopefully, we'll get him back uh, later this fall, but it was about time on the podcast, I think, with, with the college football season starting this weekend in full force. Obviously, had a little bit of a taste last weekend, but it was about time to kind of get the, the 2022 NFL or 2023, my apologies, NFL draft uh, snapshots, rankings, and stuff going on. The coverage needs to start now. College football is rolling. It is very late when I'm recording this. Uh, it's just been a, a full go, busy on the clock schedule to get through a lot of players, uh, build a big board, which will be on NFLmocks.com on Saturday, the day after you are hearing this. So there's a lot going on. And so I hope you guys uh, stay tuned for this. So what, well, how it's going to work is uh, over Labor Day weekend, I think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of put together th- three episodes uh, for you guys. And so this one will cover quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. We will do the trenches in the next one. Then we will finish with linebackers, corners, safeties, hybrid players, all that jazz. No special teams. We'll get there when the draft process really starts getting going. But today's episode, yeah, I figured we'd kind of go through some snapshots of the positions. I'll kind of cover also just some of a little bit of rankings that are kind of forming in my head. There's there's ones quarterback is kind of iffy because I know only three guys are going to be in my initial top 50. There's kind of a list after the top three that are kind of just jumbled a little bit. Running back, I feel very confident in where my top five is, top 10 even. Receiver, I feel very confident in tight end as well. So we'll we'll kind of get into some rankings. It'll be just more just describing the players, talking a lot about their game. So let's kind of dive into it right now. Um, I want to start obviously a quarterback and I know there's going to be so much talk about the top two guys uh, in the draft just because both are probably going to go top three or four. I, I imagine, you know, when you look kind of ahead a little bit, you look at the Texans, Falcons, Bears, Seahawks, and some other teams that are giants could be up there in terms of picking high in the draft. So it really comes down to, you know, when you look at a few of those teams, who has the established starter, who's still got a young guy that they're banking on that they just got to continue to build around I think that's the Bears 100% you never know what Atlanta's going to think with Desmond Ritter after one season Davis Mills plays really well for Houston we have no idea I do think there there will be two teams somewhere in the top I think Seattle's going to obviously be right there potentially to kind of upgrade the position so two guys obviously Bryce Young Alabama CJ Stroud Ohio State both will be getting under uh getting underway with their 2022 debuts this weekend 
Bryce Young gets to play Utah State. Should be a nice little warm-up for him before Texas next week. C.J. Stroud gets the big one right off the bat in Notre Dame, and that will be a tough game. I'm very excited about that. Going to have a full breakdown for sure of that game from him. So I, I do want to go into why I have C.J. Stroud a little bit higher than Bryce Young. And this kind of does stem from, from a little article I wrote. Uh, if you follow me at Jake NFL Draft, you've probably seen this article by now uh, because it's my pinned tweet. It's honestly one of the most exciting things I got to write and honestly the most in-depth things I've written all year. Um, and it just kind of describes the two contrasting styles of these quarterbacks. And when you look at, at C.J. Stroud, who's my QB1 at the moment, I kind of compared them to scientists versus artists. I think C.J. Stroud very much got off to a shaky start, you know, against Minnesota. I think there were some missed throws. He kind of just had to gain some composure, you know, with playing time. That was his first start. I think he really figured it out, obviously completing a hair under 72% of his passes in 2021, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. But again, I just think how technical he is, how how very process-oriented he is as a player, I just I think the importance of precision and accuracy, we talk about it all the time with quarterbacks. Can you throw the ball accurate? Can you place it well? Stroud just does that on a consistent basis. And when you look at just layering throws with touch, you know, throwing deep balls with, with touch down the field outside the hashes, you know, fitting the seam ball with good velocity into tight windows. He, he finds tight windows. He, he doesn't go for them often. He, he's often very risk averse. Um but when he takes his chances, he takes calculated chances. And he often throws an accurate ball when he's taking those chances. He feels very confident. The footwork's good. He processes the field very well. He can stay composed amongst the chaos. He maneuvers the pocket extremely well. I I think he generates enough velocity. Like I said, I think there's enough arm strength there. I, I don't think, you know, we're lacking anything in terms of the arm strength. I know Bryce Young's is probably better at this point, and we'll get to that. But I do think the full field reads, anticipation throws, he could work on that a little bit. But again, when he's in the pocket and he's dealing and he turns into the point guard, he turns into, you know, the shooting guard, the shot maker and shot plays like he can do all of those things. And I think he's just really, really good. He's a tactician. I think he's got a great mind for the game right now. And that's and that's a lot in the in the piece I wrote. So I'm not really I'm plagiarizing myself <laughs> at this point. It's in the piece. But I, those were some of my just best thoughts that I got to write down on these guys. And I, I think where Stroud can improve, I, I really do believe that the out-of-structure stuff. I do think he is still very much in the mode of, I want to throw it somewhere. When he, when he finds that exit lane, he doesn't want to run. He doesn't want to pick up three, four, five yards on the ground. He's looking for somewhere to go with the football and sometimes it's just like okay you got to take you got to take what it's given to you you know he does a good job with that with the checkdowns getting to latent reads and and, you know okay nothing there I'll check it down but he doesn't like to run and when he's on the run a little bit I think that's where he's really good at resetting his feet because when he's on the run and he has to make a throw while moving to his right while moving to his left you see the accuracy dip quite a bit and so that's something I want to see a little bit more of as well obviously you're not banking solely on out of structure plays even though that's really baked into today's NFL. I just think, you know, Stroud is just as as rhythmic, accurate, precise, you know, calm, cool, collected, has plenty of poise. I just that's why I have him at QB one. That is no slight to Bryce Young, who I think both of these guys comfortably clear last year's class by a mile. They would be, in my opinion, right up there with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who I graded as very, very high prospects in twenty twenty one. 
So they'd be right there. These guys would clear Trey Lance. These guys, I think, would also probably clear somebody like Tua Tungavailoa as well. I graded Joe Burrow very highly, so they probably wouldn't clear him. Uh, but they're right up there. These guys, these are elite prospects. And so I want to talk about Bryce Young, the artist, a little bit. Now, this isn't really... He does create, and he's a playmaker at heart. And he does things that you know Stroud probably couldn't do because of the athleticism he has. And yeah, he's a little bit smaller. Bryce Young is a small player. He is, I believe, listed around like, I think he, he might be 190 pounds, if I remember correctly. I think he's like 5'11 and 194, and that's what's listed on the Rise and Draft website. So he's a smaller guy. If he was bigger, we'd be talking about him more potentially. But I, I do think when I talk about artist I talk about like creative expression imaginative and he can be very imaginative with, with the football and that isn't like I said that isn't to say that he he can't operate the offense within structure he does he operates a quick game really well he's a quick processor throws with anticipation in the quick game and that's he, he's he can be very decisive uh when he needs to be and that's that's a good trait to have um what I do think he is just great at when things break down is he's so elusive he, he can he can really outsmart defenders in space. He can get them going one way. There's there's plays where it comes to mind where you think of, oh, you get him on a rollout, and he, he needs to skirt the defender quick. He's able to find a guy on the run with great accuracy. He finds he, Cameron Latu, we'll talk about in a little bit. He finds him with great accuracy, and he's able to lead them upfield, lead them to where the space is, and that's important as, as a playmaker as well. He just, there are things that, that young he's just he can be creative as, as a distributor as well there's there's a rep of him against Georgia where he is on the move he's going to take off and run defender closes at him and he, he turns the play into basically an option an option running play is able to just flick the ball back to the running back and he running back gets about eight yards when he would have probably got three or four and it's just how creative he can be he's very good he's got that Aaron Rodgers to him and I know the Packernet podcast listeners are going to love that right? Like there are just times where he's just needs to create a little space for himself, create another pocket area, get defenders moving in a direction he wants them to move in. And that's, that's really what he does. Um, I do think he has, like I said, the arm strength is there. We were just talking about it, that he can generate a ton of velocity on his throws. He can generate a ton of velocity on the run with great accuracy. He throws the deep ball. It's pretty, it is art. It is, it is like a masterpiece. It's a Van Gogh with the deep ball. And I, I love that about him. He's not afraid to challenge people deep. I'm really excited what he's going to do with some of these receivers that we're going to talk about, who I think are great w deep ball winners uh, that are coming over and transferring from other schools. But I, I, there is just, to him, he, I feel like, really embraces the spotlight too. And artists really love their work to be shown. And he definitely does that. He his game winning drive against Auburn was or not really game winning I should say it was to force overtime that's my bad but getting down the field maneuvering outside the pocket finding Mechie on an, on an intermediate route you know being able to pick up plays on third downs and then throwing just a seed on a deep ball to his right to the corner of the end zone where it needed to be to the right shoulder towards the sideline and it was on the money when it needed to be he he found Mechie to win it in, in multiple overtimes. Just he he embraces that spotlight. He's he's another guy who's still calm and collected, uh, even though the sometimes his footwork and, and kind of you see him racing around. It doesn't feel like he is, but he's just embracing. I think the chaos, and he's just under control. 
Um, the one areas, a couple areas where I maybe want to see Young get better, I do think he gets a little outside of himself with footwork. I think he gets into that very Mahomes-esque, Rodgers-esque sometimes where the foot feet are not going to the target. And he's just unloading with the arm because he knows he can make the throw. That's good. The windows are going to shorten a little bit in the NFL. That's where I'd like to see him kind of embrace a little bit more of the, the rigid, rhythmic, you know, mechanics that, that CJ Stroud has. So that's that's what I'd like to see. Um, I, I do think Bryce Young sometimes gravitates toward that exit ramp a little bit more. Um, when duress comes his way, he's not it's not a panic, but he knows like I'm I can make this play on the move. I understand that when I get out in, in space to kind of make a play that I'm a threat to draw the defense to me. So he he gets in that mode a little bit, but that doesn't to say he isn't a good processor. I think he is. I do think Stroud is a little bit better in the, in that aspect. So, but I talked a lot about those two guys, but that's just where I see them, and I do think both are elite prospects right now. They will both land in my top five of my initial big board coming out Saturday. So, where I'm at with the rest of these guys, Will Levis is probably going to be QB three for me. I do think you know you look at the the numbers last year, not great, but in the SEC he had he had 13 interceptions, but according to PFF, he only had. 11 turnover worthy throws so that should tell you that the interception luck was not on his side last year and and you've seen it with some guys who qbs will get picks dropped right and that's a turnover worthy play you go back to the box score doesn't show that that's an interception obviously and then you have one that's tipped up in the air twice at the line of scrimmage or tipped down the field and it's picked and it's like god that really wasn't on him so interceptions in the box score don't tell the full story um but I do think it's going to be interesting with him because I do think that he has enough arm strength. He has arm talent to kind of make off-platform throws. I do think he can. He stays poised to take hits. The one thing I think suffers with him is when he's under pressure, the footwork goes. And there are some times where the footwork is just off. And you can see him sail throws. That's where some of the picks came in last year. He just needs to be kind of embrace the, the mechanic mechanical part of his game because he can do that he he can he can buy time and find the exit route a little bit too and, and reset and make good throws so I, and he's got the arm to challenge it deep as well so i'm i'm excited for will levis the question is y- y- he lost luke fortner and darian Kennard. actually i think he lost three linemen last year there was a third one yeah the name escapes me but three linemen to the draft so the problem with that you know that's three positions they got to replace at kentucky they also got to play replace Wandell Robinson, whose production was off the charts last season, was a top 50 pick, right? So that's really the question. How is he going to respond to a lot of positional turnover? And we talked about this a little bit with Sam Howell last year was, okay, he lost Yami Brown. He lost Daz Newsom. He lost Michael Carter. He lost Javante Williams. How will Sam Howell respond? It was not very good at the start of the year. So how will Levis respond? That's, That's going to be the big question mark for him because I do think he right now in the clubhouse has the best shot to be QB3 because I do think there's still upside. He has he has untapped a little bit. Now for the rest of these guys, I uh, want to talk about a few. Tanner McKee from Stanford's really interesting. He's he's a taller dude. He's he's a bigger kind of <laughs> he's got the giraffe archetype a little bit. Um he's like 6'6, 225. Uh but what I do think, again, numbers aren't gaudy. This is a run first. This is a very power heavy. You've seen how jumbo Stanford can get running the football. Just threw for 2,327 yards, 15 touchdowns, 7 picks last year. But I do think he has exceptional footwork. Mechanics are good. Good arm strength. Good accuracy. Good placement of the football. 
Just need to see more from him uh, overall. Just need to see more reps, more attempts. He just doesn't get a lot of attempts. He doesn't have a lot of guys to throw to. Uh, Benjamin Eurosek, who we'll get to at tight end. I believe he's got a receiver as well, whose name kind of escapes me. But again, he's throwing to guys who aren't natural. Elijah Higgins is the name. Aren't natural separators. This is kind of Stanford is kind of the light version of recruiting that Clemson is. Clemson gets those big, tall, skinny guys, right? Stanford's doing the same thing. Their mascot is a tree. They are recruiting treetop basketball playing types at the position. So he's not getting a lot of guys where he can, oh, I know this guy's going to separate. I can throw with anticipation. He's not getting that. So we'll see. Pac-12 after dark. I recommend staying up and watching him for sure. Devin Leary, another guy who's precise. I think he's really mechanical. Um, Arm strength is solid overall. I don't know how much upside there is with him. That is the really the question mark. He had 35 touchdowns, five picks though. And that's why I think he's he's somebody who I think I'd be comfortable with in the mid rounds taking as a guy that's like, okay, well, you know, this is kind of that guy that you'll be pushing in that 12 to 15 range if he hits a ceiling right in the NFL where you're kind of like, ah, oh, we could replace him, but we could not. So do you, do you swing for upside there? I feel like you'd rather swing for upside. And that's where the last three names come in quick. Anthony Richardson from Florida. 66 total pass attempts in his career in two seasons. Out Emory Jones. He's gone to Arizona State. Now it's his time. Will we see just a breakout of epic proportions? Arm strength is there. Obviously, he's got the athleticism. He can run around. He's a powerful dude. Big, big, strong runner as well. Could we see some Cam Newton, Roethlisberger vibes from this guy this year? Very possible. Dane Brugler of The Athletic put him in his initial top 50. So he believes clearly in the breakout, the explosion onto the scene from this guy. He plays Utah week one, Saturday night. It's going to be a fascinating game to tune into to see what he does against a very sound fundamental defense in Utah that's been very, very good in recent seasons. So tune in for that for sure. Spencer Rattler, that's that's the name, right? You look at Rattler and you think, yeah, I mean, he was kind of the QB1 favorite along with Howell a year ago sitting here. Uh, and then he got benched and Caleb Williams took over. Caleb Williams looks like the better prospect at this point. We'll be talking about him when the 2024 draft rolls around. He's going to have a big year at USC probably with the receiver we're about to talk about in a little bit. Can we find consistency? Can we find the plays where you don't go shaking your head? The plays, you know what I'm talking about. The Carson Wentz WTF interception of the week, you know. The Ryan Tannehill plays in the playoffs against the Bengals. Like, why? Why? Why is this throw being made? He challenges windows. He gets burned once or twice a game with just back-breaking interceptions. Arm talent's there. Footwork's not great. He loves to kind of be the out-of-structure guy as well. I need to see more refinement. Maybe the SEC offense at South Carolina, that's what's going to help him. He's got a couple really good tight ends. I'm excited for that. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, He'll be interesting. And then again, if you want to stay up at late at night, Jaron Hall from BYU. Really intrigued with the arm strength, the playmaker type that he is. A little bit on the shorter side as well, I believe. I'm going to check Rising Draft website just to make sure that's correct. Uh, Jaron Hall is trying to find him. Six okay, six foot two oh four. So not like super small, but somebody who I you know is interesting. Is interesting to me. He's got the playmaker type in him. Aiden O'Connell had a pretty good night for Purdue tonight uh, as I'm recording this well after the, the game ended, but somebody definitely watching the Big Ten. 
as well. Grayson McCall has put up monster numbers at Coastal Carolina. Does he have the arm strength is the question. And then there's two other names. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who has the prototypical size arm. You know, he's, he's been more flash than consistency. Uh, and then there's Tyler Van Dyke, kind of in that same boat for Miami. So a lot of names at quarterback I threw at you. But like I said, I, I'm really struggling to kind of rank some of these guys. I'd probably put McKee fourth and Richardson fifth at this point to kind of round up my top five. Stroud, Young, Levis, McKee, Richardson. Um, so let's move over to the running backs quick. Uh, I'm going to start obviously talking about Bijan Robinson, who should be the first running back off the board and probably should be a first-round pick. I know the running back don't mat- doesn't matter. Age is upon us, and I understand that from kind of a financial standpoint where after four or five years, it's kind of like, eh, do we want to pay this guy? Bijan Robinson's probably the closest thing we're going to get to Christian McCaffrey or Jamal Charles. And he doesn't, Bijan Robinson's really one calling card he doesn't have, the one weakness to his games. He's not overly explosive. He doesn't have necessarily that game breaking 4 3 speed per se to to break off the 60, 80 yard touchdown runs on a, on a weekly basis. He can still break off big runs because he's got good short area burst. But where Bijan Robinson is going to thrive is creating for himself. He is, I do think the processing and vision is good between the tackles. He can find the cutback lanes. He anticipates openings uh, that that are in front of him. So he's good between the tackles. He does tend to bounce some outside uh, at times when they're running a little bit of zone. I just think he believes in himself, obviously. I'd like to see a little bit less of that. But that's, again, nitpicking a lot for this guy. What really stands out is the contact balance, the footwork, lateral quickness in the in, in the short in the small areas he can make defenders miss with incredible flexibility and like I said short area burst he he again contact balance is really good he can drop the pads he, he's arm tackles don't phase him too much but the creative footwork the ability to string moves and we'll talk about a lot of the guys stringing moves but it's like Bijan Robinson can kind of freeze guys he'll he'll kind of like break down as if he's going to cut back on a defender he's isolated really and he's just he's able to make that guy grasp air it is impressive how much he can create he's got natural hands as a pass catcher i trust him running routes any day so he's got really just the total package at running back i'm really excited for him this season i'm really really excited to see how he go how he performs against alabama so my rb2 right now is zach evans um again not a big year for him TCU last year because again they've got a couple other guys actually in the building that are pretty good players as well Kendra Miller we might talk about he's a junior this year might talk about him down the line potentially as well uh they actually I believe they have an ineligible guy as well not not like grade wise I'm saying draft ineligible so they've they had a pretty pretty good room last year uh but I think Zach Evans is another guy who you look at at, at six foot 215 pounds is another guy who's I think, again, great laterally, good mover, can string together those moves. He's elusive. I He's explosive for sure. Uh, he's a guy who can house a few things as well. He's a good pass catcher, natural as a route runner as well. The one question with him is really between the tackles. It's he loves, and we talked about Bijan doing this occasionally, Evans loves to bounce runs out. He is not very patient waiting for things to open up he's more of a see hole hit hole kind of guy that gap scheme look he just needs to get better in that area I don't know if the SEC is going to be the best at at, at Mississippi 
I feel like they're just they're again they're going to be kind of get your popcorn ready stuff. They've got Jackson Dart there as well at QB. Uh, they they feel like a team that might just air it out a lot. He's going to get a lot of uh, um, chances as a pass catcher. I'm sure we'll see what he does between the tackles. But that vision, that processing, must get better for him. Jameer Gibbs uh, transferring over from Georgia Tech to Bama. Whew, this this could be an off the charts year. This is this is your. This might be your Jamal Charles, honestly. I think the the elusiveness is next level. You, this is guy's got Kadarius Tony like you know moves in space. It's it is wild to see how much displacement he can generate when he plants his foot. It is it is crazy. I, I you don't see a lot of guys displace as far as he does uh, with you know that that type of explosion and burst off of a cut. So. Really excited about that. He's another guy who's got natural hands. Can he run between the tackles? He's he's just on that like two hundred pound cut line of guys where you know you look at you look at prototypical NFL running backs. They're normally in that again, probably clearing usually clearing two hundred five, more usually closer to two ten to twenty. So he's gonna have to prove that he can be between the tackles runner. But he's explosive. He's elusive. He's gonna be a whole lot of fun in that Alabama offense. Rounding out my top five, I got two others. Obviously, Tank Bigsby from Auburn, at six foot two thirteen, he's a powerful dude. He'll drop the pads. He's, but I do think he's a little bit more sudden than he's given credit for. He's got a nasty stiff arm. You know, he's gonna pick up yardage after contact. But like I said, I think he anticipates well. He's got good vision, and he's, I think, better. You know, moving laterally and and being elusive than, than people give him credit for. And I, I'm excited for him to continue to prove that. Auburn's going to be kind of bad this year. That's the only problem. Uh, the boxes are probably going to be stacked with him. So if you see him breaking off big runs and quality runs, he's doing it because he's creating for himself. And I, I, I expect him to do that. I really do. Sean Tucker's the fifth one on my list. Huge line for Syracuse. 246, 14, 96, and 12. So 1,496 yards, 12 touchdowns. 5'10-210, low center of gravity, well built, runs through the arm tackles. His stiff arm is wicked as well, but he's got that level of explosiveness that that he's unlocked. Where I think he may not he I'm wondering if he's one of those guys who's gonna be this the tests not great, but play speed's really good. Uh he can break off the big runs. He breaks off chunk runs. I'm impressed with the with the processing skills as well. He's going to be firmly on the day two radar right away as a running back. And I'm really excited for him in the ACC. He's going to be able to, I think, really take advantage of it and dominate. And and that's that's a really exciting thing. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be less of a pass catcher than the rest of these guys on this list, but comfortable with an early down roll and giving this guy, you know, workhorse uh, level touches at the next level. So the rest of these guys, uh, I want to go to Blake Corum first because he's another guy who laterally he's really, really good. He's explosive in the short area. Another guy, like I said, there's a lot of elusive running backs in this class. It's a really, really good class at the position. Really excited about it. He pass protection, character guy, great pass catcher. He's going to be one of those really, really good satellite backs. He's 5'8", 200, probably going to weigh in probably under 200, I would guess. But he is, a, he is a, as from all accounts, a really high character guy as well. So Blake Corm is a guy I'm very excited about. He is a junior, probably will declare early if he has a big year, but I, and I expect him to. 
Zach Charbonnet, everybody's excited about as well. Transferred over from Michigan to UCLA. Had a really, really good year. I don't like the processing skills as much. I, I just think he... I think the offense tailors to him very, very well. I don't know if he's necessarily creating for himself as much. Uh, he can make, he can kind of one cut and go type of guy with enough speed to, to threaten some angles. But overall, I'm kind of lukewarm on him. Uh, he was a really high recruit out of high school, though. Uh, he's definitely living up to it, though, at, at UCLA. So that's exciting for him. He's probably going to be a little bit lower for me than others. I'm okay with that. Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, uh, 5'6, 176. The ultimate in outlier, because he's so talented, right? He's got the numbers. His his line last year is insanity. Um, and with the production off the charts, you'd think, okay, this guy's going to the league, no problem. But like at 176, that's just not going to fly. Great route runner, though. Elusive runner. I just, he's going to be, he's going to be, everybody's going to compare him to like James White and Darren Sproles. And that's a fair comp. Because he's he straight line speed's very very good as well, he's probably going to have another giant year at Kansas State, and people are going to be like, "Well, the production's off the charts. What do we do with this guy at the next level?" It's like, well, he's probably going to be a really really good RB two, right? Like think, think like I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, James White's a great comp, but I feel like he's got the Naheem Hines explosiveness tab to him as well. Maybe he's the next Tony Pollard of sorts, um, where he's just the fantastic RB2 that you really do not want to face every week, that could definitely be uh, in line with with what he is at, at the next level. Devin Akane from Texas A&M, following up Isaiah Spiller. This dude's track speed, he's straight line speed. I do not trust the processing and vision at all between the tackles. That needs serious work. He kind of runs into linemen a lot, just trying to pick up yardage when there's nowhere to go which is surprising because you'd think he'd bounce it out as much speed as he has. I really do expect the the 40 time to be, goodness, um, probably sub 4-4. I would really expect that from him. He's he's a track guy. Um, but I do think he sinks his hips really well as a receiving back out of the backfield. So this is another satellite back that I would be, be very interested in uh, at the next level. A few other guys really hit on quick before we take a break here. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim is coming back from a – Achilles injury had a really really good night uh, tonight for Minnesota. They're playing obviously you know a mid level FBS school or FCS school. I don't remember who they're playing tonight, but it's great to see him back. Uh, he's a tough, hard nosed runner between the tackles. Very excited about him. Georgia's got a good duo with Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton. Those will be two guys to watch, and then a couple small school guys I'd pay attention to. Lou Nichols the third from Central Michigan. He's a really hard nosed runner. Uh, contact balance really good. Drops the pads at contact. The production was off the charts in the MAC. So that's a, a production guy to watch out for. I'd also watch out for. I, I'm going to be honest. This might have been my favorite tape to watch this summer. Dwayne McBride from UAB, 5'11, 215. He is a junior. He's a small school guy at UAB. Will he declare? I don't know. But his game against Georgia, having to go through that front seven over and over and over he actually produced really well in that game he created as much as he could carried some guys for extra yardage i thought he, he just he gave it his all in that game and i was really impressed with that i'm excited to watch him now all season long because if he can do that against one of the best front sevens we've ever seen what is he going to do this year after another year in camp strength training like I, he, he could be the breakout star really at the running back position uh, we are going to take a quick break here 
and we will be back with more uh, at the receiver and tight end positions. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, guys, back here uh, with the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Wanted to give you guys a quick heads up, actually, before we get into receivers and tight ends. Um, we're going to be running a, another promo with Pristine Auction uh, the next two weeks. It's going to start on Monday. So it's a really cool item. Uh, it's We're excited to share this. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be a really cool. Um, I already said cool, but I'm going to say cool again. The item is awesome. Uh, and it's an item that has a player involved with the item that may or may not have contributed to a championship uh, recently in the last decade or plus or so. So not going to give too much away, but uh, if you want to sign up for that, you got to go sign up at pristine auction, uh, really great rated uh, auction website for sports memorabilia. So be on the lookout for that starting on Monday, the fifth, yeah, the fifth. Um, but yeah, if you want to sign up early, you can, uh, there'll be promo code. Look out for that. So we move into wide receiver. I'm, tr- I'm going to try not to be too in-depth here because if I do, I feel like I could talk for an hour at this position. It's my favorite to study. So I'm going to try and keep this as brief as possible. My top five are going to be kind of probably lining up with the consensus uh, at, the, at the top because I do think that's where we're at. Once again, I think we're going to have two or three guys uh, from this class where they're in the in the realm of the Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Maybe you liked Traylon Burks more, that type of tier. Not sure. Maybe there's one or two guys I could see of the bunch potentially leveling themselves up to where even like Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith were. That's just, again, I'm going to talk about that class glowingly because I really believe in it. The top five, I would take those top five to battle with anyone. I am talking about Chase, Waddle, Smith, Bateman, and Elijah Moore. Those were my top five. 
I would take them to battle against probably any top five we have going forward until I see someone that blows up, blows me out of the water. So without further ado, um, Kayshawn Butte is my wide receiver one. That may surprise some people because we're going to get to a guy who had ridiculous production last season. But I want to talk about this guy because Butte, the numbers are obviously not great. But as you remember, mass exodus after the 2019 season for LSU. So as a freshman, he was dealing with not a lot <laughs> along the offensive line at quarterback, etc. Still put up 45 catches for 735 yards, five touchdowns as a freshman. That's really, that's really good. Considering the circumstances of the turnover, that's good. Last year dealt with some injury, 38 catches, 509 yards, nine touchdowns. Firmly expect the jump to be this year. Uh, he's going to have uh, the freshman whose name definitely escapes me or Jaden Daniels at quarterback. Might see both of them this first week against Florida State. Everything's there uh, to be an X at, at the next level. I think he needs to face press more. He was in the slot a lot more than I expected on film this past year. But I do think pre-catch, he is very good because he is really crisp at the break point with his routes. Uh, he needs to get better against press. A lot of times, press can kind of erase him. They could kind of push him to the sideline, really just take him out of the play. Or they stop him in his track. So he's got to get better with a plan against press. But I do think he, again, speed release with off coverage. He gets into his route. He stays explosive through the break with the slant routes, the post routes, those 45-degree turns. He's staying, uh, he's the, maintaining that play speed through those breaks. At the catch point, he has great hands, can, attacks the football in the air, has really, really good body control. And I'm talking about, you know, go up, secure the football, awareness of where the sideline is, be able to tip the toes in, and just be able to contort in the air and, and consistently make plays uh, through contact, into contact. So at the catch point, really excited about it. But he is he's the one cut and go type after the catch. He's not going to string moves and necessarily be this like overly nuanced player after the catch, but can evade some tackles low, doesn't mind hurdling, but he's got that, that gear, that explosiveness, that burst after the catch where, oh, the safety thought he was in a good position and he's not anymore because of how how fast he is in a straight line and how explosive and how quick he gets up to that gear. So I do think Butte, overall, I do think he sinks his hips really well at the top of routes as well. I think the full route tree is is easily within um, reach for him. He, he's shown me it with the digs, comebacks. You know, the, those are the two toughest routes to run, believe it or not, um, for a receiver. If you can separate it versus those two, uh, versus those two. If you can separate against man coverage uh, in those two routes, you're often a very, very good receiver. I think he can do that. Uh, he uses his hands better at the top of routes than he does against press. And so he needs to just, again, work the swim move, work the rip move, all that stuff against press. So, you know, give himself more opportunities. I expect to see that. I know there was a little bit of question with like the coaching staff. There was some kind of tension there, but I believe he's now walking away with, with, uh, special number seven this year so that's very exciting for him but he is my wide receiver one i'm very excited for him jackson smith and jigba is my wide receiver two some people have quentin johnston at number two from tcu i have jsn and i'm going to tell you why 
Uh, it's not the production, even though he did catch 95 passes for 1,606 yards and nine touchdowns last year in an offense that featured two top 12 picks in the draft in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yes, he has a better quarterback than, than Butte does in C.J. Stroud. That certainly plays into the production. However, JSM was in the slot a lot, right, last year. He's going to have to get better against press as well. However, there were some kind of soft press reps where you see it. Oregon game had had a lot of them, or most of them, where he's doing a great job with his footwork in his release. He's doing either the quick jab, that one-two step release, or he's he's getting into that quick release with the one step, and that's 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 what Cooper Cup calls them. He calls them quick and quick jab. There's there's a lot of terms: one step, two step. Uh, there's like blade. They, they they use a lot of terms. It's just the terminology is different. I like to keep it simple. But he does a great job when he when he sells that. Whether he's in a, a kind of a split release where you're kind of you know pushing off of you can push off either foot and you, your knees are bent so you can stay explosive. That's something Boutte is really good at. By the way, I didn't highlight that. Boutte showed some good stuff with the diamond release as well. That's three steps up field to sell either like fade or to sell even towards slant and you break out. So it's it's re-stemming after three steps, or you're using the three steps outside fade to sell slant. Butte's good at that. I think JSN's a little bit more in, in the nuanced, you know, kind of I'm a precise type of route runner with the one step and two steps, sometimes even three steps, and that gets really crazy. You see that with guys like Cup. Jamar Chase showed that. Uh, Devontae Adams, J- Justin Jefferson, he gets into those type of releases where he's moving defenders even right at th- right there, right at the snap, right off his uh, right off his back foot. He's getting guys to move. He's getting them in a position that's going to compromise them in coverage. That's where Smith and Jigba is a tactician. And when you get to when he's facing off coverage, he does a great job with this. And whether the defender is leveraged inside or leveraged outside. Jackson Smith and Jigba does a great job stemming at the defender. And what this does is it creates the illusion of the two-way go, even though he knows where he is going, right? So you'll see maybe a defender that's outside leveraged, right, towards the boundary. And and Jigba knows he's going, Smith and Jigba knows he's winning on this this in route. He's going to create more space for himself. Why does he need to do that? I'll tell you why in a minute. But he does a great job stemming at the defender, because if, if he can leave the defender with a doubt in their mind before that break point, he's won. Because now he does that he does the hard jab, hard plant step, that hard rocker step at the top of the route, opposite of the direction he knows he's going, get the defender to shuffle, he's a little off balance, it's really difficult to recover at that point. And when he's good with his hands, doubly bad. So he's able to create space for himself at the top of his routes. And that's something I really like to see in route runners. That's something you saw a lot with, a lot with from Justin Jefferson in the slot. Same type of thing in college. So that gives me a lot of a lot of excitement within Jig, Smith and Jigba. The other thing is uh, he, at the catch point, makes just some ridiculous plays that play against Michigan. Where he's able to adjust, basically go around the defender to make plays. He, I'd like to see him sometimes he, he attacks the catch point really well. Sometimes other times he kind of lets it into his frame a little bit and, and you see contact potentially disrupt things at the catch point. But he, but he does make those splash plays at the catch point. That's very exciting. Can handle uh, contact coming at him over the middle of the field. He was very, very good with that. So 
that's uh, the catch point might be the weakest part of his game outside of what we'll talk about at the end. But after the catch, he is a nightmare. Why? Because he can set he sets his feet sometimes before the ball is there. So there'll be times where uh, I'm going to use the Michigan game and I'm going to use Penn State. Two examples. Uh, one of those times against Michigan, he's he's basically the 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 flat route option, uh, backside of the play. Stroud throws it to him. He's outside leveraged of the corner. And yet, because the corner thinks, okay, maybe he's going to get up the sideline because I got no help. I got help inside, right? Smith and Jigba plants the feet, gets the feet going in the direction back towards the middle of the field. Defender comes grasping air. He is very, very good at setting himself up after the catch. And he's got the field vision. He's got the creative footwork to freeze defenders, manipulate space, and said defenders to create after the catch. Now, he doesn't have the explosiveness that Butte has. That's the question, right? He gets, when the ball's in his hands, he gets caught from behind. Can he stack on the outside? That's something we're going to have to see from him at the net, at, when he goes to the perimeter this season. I'm sure he's going to get perimeter reps. He did against Utah. He was able to beat Clark Phillips. Uh, a corner we'll probably talk about in the third, third installment of this, but need to see it more. So the stacking is going to be extremely important for him because he's, again, he's not fast. He's going to run, I promise, I, I really promise you this, he's going to run something like 4.54 or 4.55, maybe even 4.57, and it's going to freak people out. Don't freak out. He's a tactician. He is a yak nightmare. I'm totally okay with a player like this in the first round. So, Obviously, you want to see high slot usage. You want to go over and see how he can handle press, and that's going to be something very, very important for a lot of these guys, extremely. Uh, Corey Kinnon, good friend of mine on Twitter, uh, he posted something actually the night I'm recording this on some guys in the slot. I want to talk about percentages. Smith and Jigba, 88% of the snaps in the slot. Uh, Butte had 47%. He was in there more than I thought, but Smith and Jigba, 88%. We're going to have to see what he does um, on the perimeter. Get to my top five here. Quentin Johnston from TCU only had 33 catches for 634 yards last season at TCU. That's over 20 per reception though. So he's overly explosive as a playmaker. He is very in that vein of Butte as well, but he's got the, the catch radius expansion that Butte kind of doesn't necessarily at the catch point. He's got arrogant hands. He makes the one handed grabs. He can really reach outside the frame to make plays the catch point is is really a playground for him, but he's also got that a level of explosiveness, and I think he's got really good split release. He, he can square up and either work inside or outside on the stem, and he can stack because he's got really good hand usage through contact against press. He's explosive through his route breaks. He can hip sync. He can work on that vertical plane, working back to the football, hitch, comeback routes. He's very good in that area. Want to see him improve maybe on the intermediate routes. Want to see the dig, you know, those deep over routes. But he's got the speed to separate himself, and he can sky to the catch point, separate there as well. He is a dangerous playmaker. I'm really excited to see him. The The night this comes out, they're playing Colorado. TCU is. I want to see what he does in that game. Very excited uh, to see that. But I think he's going to get uh, my third round one grade uh, at receiver. So Quentin Johnston. Very excited to see how he does. Like I said, the hip sync's good. He's a really explosive 
alpha type playmaker, big Sammy Watkins vibes in college. Yeah, I think Sammy Watkins at Clemson. So that that should really get the excitement flowing there. Um, Jordan Addison, number four, the Boletnikoff winner, 100 catches, 1,593 yards, 17 touchdowns last year at Pitt. This is just a stupid number. It might happen again uh, with Caleb Williams at USC, and he's moving over to USC as well. Uh, this is the other thing that's interesting with him. Uh, Addison had 68% of his snaps in the slot. Another guy was very surprised to see um, him in the slot as much as he was. But he's kind of an alpha at the catch point, despite the size. And that's really interesting. He can survive contact. He he can kind of wall off. And he's really good plucking the football away at the catch point. And that's something I was really impressed by because Kenny Pickett kind of left him out to dry a few times and he made the plays. Um, he's he's elusive after the catch as well. But I really what I really like about him is he can manipulate defenders in zone to create space in zone for himself. So he will have reps where he is going up to a zone defender, stems at him, sells deep, works over the middle of the field really, really well, and finds space for himself. And then, like I said, he's creative after the catch. He's tough to bring down. So he's a really, he's again, a guy where I'll probably be thinking about him as like a really, really good number two receiver at the next level, not necessarily a one but he has a lot of traits that make me excited about him to translate to the next level. Rounding out the list of top five, Josh Downs from North Carolina, 101 catches, 1,335 yards, eight touchdowns in 2021. Really, really good numbers there. What happens now uh, that uh, Sam Darnold, or not Sam Darnold, wow, Sam Howell, nice, uh, isn't there. See, Sam Darnold's in Carolina too, though. See how he did that? Um, what happens when, when, when Howell's not there? Well, we kind of got a little bit of a taste of that, actually, uh, this past uh, weekend. Uh, the first weekend, week zero, nine catches, 78 yards, two touchdowns. Sounds pretty good, if you ask me. Uh, so there's plenty to like with Downs. Uh, he's another guy who I, I positions his feet really, really well to be a runner after the catch. Uh, good tempo and pace adjustments against off coverage in his route tree. He's got the short area burst and explosiveness after the catch. He can make those highlight reel plays extending away from his frame. Uh, there's a really, really good rocker step uh, to get defenders to move. He, he's, he's really good throttle control. And again, he's a smaller player, so you'd kind of expect that from an explosive guy. But he's got the acceleration too. 45-degree uh, adjustments on his routes don't bother him at all. The one question I have is, is, is as a slot receiver, he's maybe limited in some of these offenses where 11 personnel dictates a lot of blocking. Um, and helping out as an extra guy in the run game. Probably not going to be his thing. I'm interested to see as he gets more reps outside of the slot. He's another guy who had, he might have had the highest, actually, the usage outside the, uh, in the slot, I mean, of any of these guys. I'm pretty sure. Let me check. Yeah, it's 95%. And, I mean, he is a slot guy. He is a smaller player. That's That's where he, you know, that's what he is at this point because he's like again he's 5'10 170 something 171 is what it's listed Addison's 5'11 175 but he plays a lot bigger right and I trust Addison a little bit more with the with the efficient route breaks 180 degree turns working back to football he's really efficient in that area as well with downs the, the explosiveness is there though and he's really talented so that's why he still makes my top five Moving on here, a few guys I want to talk about. Just breeze through these guys because I talk forever about the top five, mostly the top two. 
Uh, A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, bigger, bigger player at like 6'4", 203. Really love the explosiveness, the vertical threat that he is. But I also really, really like the route tempo and pacing, the release. He's physical through his route stem. He's good through the break. He can sink the hips, efficient turns. I really like what I've seen from A.T. Perry. I wasn't sure where um, I'd land with him. But boy, am I excited. That's a senior bowl guy who really might uh, have a rise this season in the draft um, in the draft process. Cedric Tillman, another big-bodied, explosive receiver. This is your catch point dominator. Perry does the same type of thing. I think Perry's a little more functionally athletic uh, in terms of quickness than Tillman. But Tillman's going to get another big year for Tennessee with Hendon Hooker throwing the football. He had 64 catches, 1,081 yards, 12 touchdowns last year. So I expect big things from him. Another quarterback receiver duo, Zay Flowers, coming back with Phil Dracovic this year. Very excited about that. Zay Flowers gives me real Taylor Gabriel vibes. Really shifty, explosive, elusive player who I might like a little bit more as a Z than even Josh Downs. Um, he really he really battled hard with Andrew Booth, a guy I really, really liked, obviously, in last year's process. He's another guy, though, at 5'9", 170. Can we trust the size at the next level? That's going to be the question Makes plays after the catch and at the catch point. He's a little bit of a body catcher, though, sometimes something to watch. The Maryland duo I'm very excited about. Rakeem Jarrett gives me very running back vibes after the catch. Uh, you know, stout, smaller-bodied type player. And then there's Dante Demas, who's coming off of a knee injury, but is 6'3", 213. Pterodactyl level length and catch radius, and he's explosive, and he's a vertical plane winner. That's an exciting combination. Watch Maryland play. Jermaine Burton's going over to Alabama. He's like six foot two hundred. This is the type of guy that Bryce Young really might like as, you know, this guy who can win short and then pick up after the catch, but also be a vertical threat. Dontavian Wicks might be one of my favorites. Uh, Fifty-seven catches last year for Virginia, twelve hundred and three yards, nine touchdowns. That's twenty-one point one yards per catch. Oh man, does he have a really nice one-step quick release? really explosive into the stem i'm excited for this i i he just is big play threat city and he i expect big numbers again from him this year he is he'll be a senior he'll probably be down at the senior bowl that would be my guess um marvin mims a little bit underwhelmed him and parker washington both those guys might be limited to the slot washington's very much more yak guy mims is the more explosive guy i just need to see more from both of them few sleepers Xavier Hutchinson really a slant maestro with with that straight line speed after the catch uh good body control um at the catch point another guy who's just got that alpha mentality at the catch point as well Cornelius Johnson's another big bodied receiver that's uh really intriguing at Michigan uh the numbers he's 6 to 211 very intrigued by him uh and then the last one Jacob Cohen 69 catches, 1,354 yards, 7 touchdowns, 19.6 per reception at UTEP uh, in 2021, moving over to Arizona. So a lot of guys to watch for, but my initial top five, Butte, Smith & Jigba, Johnston, Addison, Downs. Tight ends to finish up this episode. Michael Mayer is obviously leading the way, and this, this, this shouldn't be a shock. He's better than anybody in last year's class. Maybe a little bit better, I would say, than Pat Fryermuth uh, from two years ago. So 
what I like. I, I think he can play in line. There are some instances where he gets a little bit of, you know, out over the skis uh, out of his stance. So you lose a little bit of balance. Um, really would like to see more sustained fundamental blocking in line. There are reps where it's there. There are reps where it isn't. And he's losing balance and he's getting beat. I want to see him play more within himself and, and see better hand uses, better placement at the point of attack for him. But obviously he's a chain mover. He is a ball winner. And he's got a little bit of route savvy to him. He's got the quickness. He's he's able to kind of, you know, work his defenders with some route savvy in terms of the footwork, in terms of where he stems, in terms of breaking off routes. He, he's got some wicked dead leg. He can, he can kind of be that gain ground plant and go that you kind of look at with against off coverage. And, and he's a battler too. And he'll, he'll, he'll put the pads down after the catch as well. Well-rounded player as a receiver and has that type to be the a, a really impressive Y tight end at the next level. My number two might shock people. There's just a lot of questions with the Georgia guys, and I'll get to them. Uh, I like Sam Laporta a lot. He's a really fluid route runner to all levels, can win down the seam, good high pointer of the ball. Like I said, when the ball's in his hands and he's got a straight line, he's going to pick up a lot after the catch. He's somebody who I think does a better job with balance, in line but the hand usage leads him to get beat a little bit push pulled around he needs to be better with the hands more than anything I think Mayer's issue is more balance and, and Laporta's is more hand usage so two guys that I want to watch a lot more in line this year because I trust them as as receiving tight ends for sure this guy might be my favorite potentially next to Sam Laporta probably second favorite one of my favorite players overall uh, that I've studied this summer is Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. This guy is legit. Uh, do not do not write him off because of where he played. This is another Dallas Goddard situation. I thought he was fluid and nuanced as a route runner. When I say nuanced, I mean impressive rocker, rocker step, deceptive steps leading up to his route break. He's, he's, he's a guy who I, I trust, you know, running the over routes, running deep down the field. He, he made a mockery of competition down there. And he's a really good inline blocker, probably the best I've studied of anybody uh, to this point. So he's a, he's a playmaker in the receiving game, and he's really strong, balanced, technical inline player. Jaheim Bell, uh, next on the list, is is more of that move F tight end. You're going to line him up maybe as an up back, but you're going to see a lot of slot reps with him. Extremely quick, good release, extremely explosive in the straight line. He has he had a couple big touchdowns in, in the bowl game against North Carolina last year. And I'm excited to see what he does with, with uh, Spencer Rattler. As well, I think they're going to use him in a variety of ways. This is kind of your jack of all trades, potentially looking at like a power slot at the next level where you're like, okay, he's big enough to be able to block. This is like a really good 11 personnel um, F tight end, but also third receiver. Is he a flanker? Probably not, but you're going to get him the ball in a variety of ways and you're going to love the results because of how explosive he is. Uh, so rounding him out. Um, so those are my top four probably be putting Eric Gilbert at five um, because I do think that we're going to see something from him. We haven't seen anything yet uh, from him at Georgia. Uh, didn't play last year. 
flashed a little bit at, at LSU in 20, but it's been kind of a crazy ride for him uh, off the field. Not sure what's going on. It is personal. It's not anything, I believe, legal trouble issues. But just, again, I'm sure, like everybody, uh, the last couple of years have been kind of crazy and, and tough on mental health. So hopefully he's he's ready to go. Excited for him. Redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 255, with all the athleticism in the world. Uh, this is the best tight end room in the nation. Uh, Darnell Washington is is a very Mercedes Lewis body type um, with, you know, obviously basketball player, catch point wins, Big catch radius. Not a really fluid mover, though. You're not going to see him be the explosive playmaker that some of these other guys are. But in, like I said, he's very in that in that Mercedes Lewis mold. Gilbert Washington and Brock Bowers is disgustingly good. Brock Bowers isn't even eligible this year. He had a ridiculous year as a freshman. He's only going to be getting better. That's a great tight end room. Uh, Benjamin Eurosec, we mentioned... This is the seam buster, catch point winner, big catch radius guy as well. Um, don't love him in line right now. He is just a junior. This is a, is a possibility he goes back for another year, but a guy that definitely flashed on tape that I'm excited to see more of uh, in Pac-12 after dark. Utah has a great duo like Georgia does. Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid. Keithy is the F tight end. You know, this is the savvy route runner. This is the playmaker. Seam buster down the middle after the catch. Got good balance and, and straight line speed. He's in that vein. Kincaid's more of the uh, chain moving type with the better route breaks. More efficient as a route runner, but less explosive. He needs to play a lot better in line as well. I was kind of expecting him to be the foil of Keithy, and he was not. I need to see a little bit more from him in terms of a, a becoming a Y at the next level because I do think he, he that's really where he should shine. He's 6'7", 241. Maybe add on a little bit more weight to be that you know closer to 250, but he should be an inline player. Cam Latu, hurt. Not sure we're going to see him this year. Um, but again, he's another kind of you know short to intermediate guy as a player with enough contact balance, enough of a frame to wall off defenders in the short area, finds space really well and capitalizes with that space he's given. I'm, I'm excited to, again, we, we, we don't know what we're going to see from him. Jaleel Billingsley at Texas. This is a really nuanced, ex, nuanced, explosive playmaker at tight end. I was really excited about him last year. We'll see what happens with him. Um, it's a loaded offense. Uh, the potential 2024 wide receiver one is on this team um, in Xavier Worthy. They have a quarterback this year. This offense could be absolutely nutty with Robinson as well, obviously. So we'll see what he does. I don't know where you're going to play him. He's he's a little bit undersized. He's probably in the 220 range. But another guy like in that vein of like Jaheim Bell, where it's like these guys are, are just playmakers. So be interested to watch him. A couple of real breakout guys just to potentially look at. Um, a couple guys from the Big Ten. I'd watch for Eric All at Michigan. Didn't really get to studying him too much. He's kind of in the same vein of like receiving grades are solid. Doesn't really play well in line. He's kind of in. He's still kind of in that probably that Kincaid type of player range. Uh, I'm excited to see if Theo Johnson and um, Payne Durham. Payne Durham had a good night for Purdue. That's uh, going to have to go back and watch that as well. But he had a good night from the initial viewing against Penn State. 
Will Mallory's another move type at, at the tight end at Miami is another one to watch. So this is a unit. This is a, a position group that could see some breakout players uh, for uh, the 2023 NFL draft. So really excited about those positions. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this this podcast uh, on these four positions. Can't wait to get to the rest of them for you guys in some other episodes. Like I said, if we tried to do all offense, look at us. We'd be we'd be here a lot longer than we need to be. Um, just try to keep it short as possible for you guys. So hope you enjoyed. Like I said, you can follow me at Jake NFL Draft on Twitter. Uh, look for me at risendraft.com. That's rise, letter N, draft.com, as well as nflmocks.com. I got a lot coming out uh, as the draft process really gets underway with college football. So very excited about that. And obviously tune into the Packernet Podcast Network for with football season starting, it's going to be a whirlwind and we're really excited about it. So I hope you guys keep tuning into all the shows. We will catch you guys um, very, very soon, actually, um, before even next Friday. But we will still be rotating it on Fridays, but got a lot of shows for you guys in the next couple days. So enjoy that. I will see you guys in the next one then. Take it easy.